heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed, you'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Welcome everyone, it is Friday, November 18th And we have got a freaky lineup for you. A couple of these are references to prior Freaky Friday Mm -hmm. episodes, or they were inspired by something they heard, or didn't even hear it, something happened, then they went back and listened, and the same thing happened. Freakiest of all. Before we get started, may I say something? Please. Today is Petal's birthday. (gasps) We are recording this on Thursday, but Friday the 18th is Petal's birthday, she is oh, seven. She was born in 2015. Yeah, but when you guys got married, it was just your seventh wedding so, anniversary. Oh, yeah. So she's seven. Oh, yeah. She's the same age as our marriage. <laughs> same age as your vows. That's true. Happy birthday, Petal. How, how big is she? Oh, goodness. I would say she's got to be at least 90 pounds, if not larger. We don't know how to weigh her. That's never really come up. Currently, we're trying to devise a plan to get her to the new house when we move because Petal doesn't travel. And she hasn't been in a car in, oh, five years, perhaps more, because we have a farrier come to the house to trim her hooves and do her teeth and everything. So we have a plan. It involves a ramp. And a bunch of blankets and patience to get her to the new house when the time comes. We got to call somebody with like a minivan. You need like low to the ground, take all the seats out and right? a low little ramp and let her walk up the ramp. You have to tempt her with some food. Pancakes, oh, yes. Yeah. We're definitely going to have food. The thing with Petal is she immediately poops when she gets into a moving vehicle. So the last time this happened, I was holding her and Pig poop is like rabbit poop. It's just like pellets. It's mm. just like da, 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 da. it's just like gumballs that pop out of their ass. So <laughs> you have to put a quarter in. <laughs> so I think that's probably going to happen, which is why we're going to have a ramp into the back of the car and put a bunch of blankets down and just let her lay there until we get her to the new spot. But that being said, today is her birthday. She's a magical, wonderful creature, and we love her very much. So happy birthday, Puddle. Happy birthday, Petal. All that will come later. For now, we're all just here to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's all take this Friday to just treat ourselves as Petal does. <laughs> she, she'll walk, she does what she wants. She does. And we love that. So she doesn't let anything hold her back. Nope. So she's the most majestic pig <laughs> that's ever. Fuck babe. Fuck Charlotte's Web. Doesn't matter. Petal. Uh, they can come in second and third. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Whatever. She's the first. There's no pig better. There's no pig better. That's, I love her so uh, much. I need a big old t-shirt or something i don't know if she can wear a t-shirt a cape (laughs) it just says that i don't know how to get things over her legs so maybe just tie it around her neck yeah she is thick it's very thick her neck and her stomach are almost the same size damn (laughs) she's working it she's perfect she is she's perfect she is perfect so just wanted to give a uh, happy birthday shout out to my sweet pig pedal Happy birthday, Petal. We love her. And we love all of you. And we love everyone who sent their stories in today. 
Uh, you have once again curated quite a lineup. Like I said, we got some callbacks, some we do. call forwards, and some stuff that has shooketh me. One of my favorite things about Freaky Friday is how people will say, oh, I totally forgot about this. I had suppressed this memory until I heard such and such talk about it. So like we've said many times, there's power in sharing your stories. And we, we never know what we say that might help somebody or make them feel less alone or help them remember something that they'd completely forgotten. So please continue to send in your stories because we love reading them and we love sharing them. And thank you for letting us do that. It's a privilege. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one is from Jess and the subject line is coworker turned stalker. Hi, ladies. Sending much love from Tennessee. I had a blast at your live show and can't wait to see you again. Now, let's get into it. As a teenager, my first job was in the fast food industry. I worked with several great people, and I always tried to treat everyone with equal kindness. This started off nice enough by making conversation with people and learning a lot about their various backgrounds. But one guy, John, started getting a little too close. At first, he would linger after his shift in order to say hi to me, which wasn't too odd considering he didn't have many friends and struggled with social cues. It then progressed to him finding me on all forms of social media and liking every picture I had ever posted. Shortly after doing so, he DM'd me. He tried to force conversation for a little while until I stopped messaging. Thing is, he didn't. He kept asking where I was and what my plans were. I finally just turned off my phone. The next day I went to work, and there he was waiting for me. It was his off day. He asked me why I hadn't responded, and I told him my phone died and I had gotten busy. He then asked if I wanted to hang out at his house after work. This would be a good time to mention that I was 16, and he was in his mid-30s. When I brushed him off, he seemed a little bummed out, but not too angry. He messaged me later asking me about my interest, So I told him I'm a bit of a nerd. He told me he had a massive Doctor Who collection he was getting rid of and that I could have it if I came over. When I asked what all he had, he sent a picture he had clearly pulled off of a Google search. This was the final red flag. I told him I thought he was pushing way too hard and that I needed some space and unfriended him on everything. About a week goes by and I don't hear from him or see him at all. Fast forward to Sunday night and I'm fast asleep. I wake up at around 1 a.m. to hear our dog barking at something. No big deal. Roll over. Go back to sleep. Next, I hear the house phone ring at around 2 a.m. I wake up just long enough to see that my dad's awake. He's a trucker, so he's awake at odd hours, and assume that it's just his work calling. The next morning, I'm getting ready for school and rushing out the door. I jump in my truck, and damn, I've got a flat. I run back inside to tell my dad, and he says, I knew it. You knew what? He walks me back outside and I see that every vehicle on our property, my truck, my dad's truck and car, and my sister's car, all have a single flat tire. This is not a coincidence. I skip school and we use the spare to make a trip to pick up the new tires, only to get back in enough time to see four more flat tires on every vehicle. Whoever did this fully cut one tire and half cut another so they'd slowly flatten. We were livid. Once Dad and I were done replacing everything, I asked him why he was home. It hadn't even crossed my mind that he was supposed to be at work. He said that the phone call last night freaked him out, 
and that he wanted to make sure I was all right. He said someone called at around 2 a.m. and said that they were some girl's dad and I had stolen their backpack. I had no idea what they were talking about. Dad was convinced that there were drugs in the bag and that they weren't going to stop until they found it. I stayed home for a few days and Dad stayed up all night patrolling the house. The guy kept calling every night at around the same time. Finally, Dad let me return to school on Thursday. Right before my second class, I got pulled into the SRO's office. My heart was racing as the SRO told me that my dad was in the hospital. She wouldn't tell me why or what happened, only that I needed to tell her everything I knew or she wouldn't let me see him. I told her everything I knew, but she still wouldn't believe me until I gave her her name. I had no idea who this was or who their daughter might be, so she just kept on screaming at me. Finally, she had enough and let me leave. She escorted me to the front office to find my dad. She had lied about the entire thing. He was fine. I was furious. Turns out the guy had called back again during the day, threatening to come to my school and get what was stolen by force. I had taken just about all I was going to take. I looked at the number he was calling from, made a list of anyone I could think of that I'd angered. The phone number belonged to a local hospital close to where I worked. The more I thought about it, the more it made sense. John didn't drive, so he would walk home, and his route went right by the hospital. Additionally, the night shift usually left around 1.30 or 2. After a little more digging, I found out that he had done this exact same thing to several people, both at this job and at others. He would find someone who was young and attractive that was nice to him, get super attached, and then retaliate when it wasn't reciprocated. Worst part was that he was excellent at covering his tracks. No one could figure out how he was tailing me to my home or school since he didn't have a driver's license. He'd had several DUIs. And the police couldn't press charges due to lack of evidence. I ended up leaving that job and refusing to go back until he was fired. He stopped two more people before they fired him. I still think about him to this day, nearly 10 years later, wondering if he still watches me and what might have happened had our dog not scared him off. I will never let my guard down again. I am very sorry that this all happened to you, Jess. This reads to me almost like when you're in law school and they give you the, all of these terrible things have happened to this person, spot all of these issues. I mean, this is mm-hmm. system failure after system failure after system failure. Your employer didn't protect you by getting rid of this person who they, I think, liable because they knew mm-hmm. or had reason to know that he's doing this. The police saying there's a lack of evidence, you know, this SRO behaving so badly and How traumatizing does, a kid. Is that legal? You can just tell a kid in high school that their parents in the hospital to try and that's almost like a false confession type thing. Well, I mean, cops can lie to you when they're interrogating you uh, to the extent that it's horrible. You're going to tell a 16 year old kid that their dad's in the hospital because you're trying to get information out of them. Awful. About something I would think if the SRO was thinking, oh, there's a stolen backpack here at issue. You know, if if it was something like we have a kid that's been kidnapped, I have to say something in light of them and say, listen, you know, tell tell me what you know, kid. That's one thing because there's a life at stake, but it's a fucking backpack, man. Even if you think drugs are in it, to say that, I mean, that is traumatizing, emotionally, mentally traumatizing to tell a kid that their their dad is in the hospital. And then, I mean, you find out, okay, good, they're not. But my God, you're never going to trust that SRO again and probably a lot of other adults. No, truly. And especially in this situation where 
they'd already been traumatized by having someone come to their house mm-hmm. and slit their tires, That's which so is scary. very, it's invasive. You know, at, at the end of the day, it's annoying and tires are expensive. It's not cheap and it's For not real. harm to your body, but it's invasive. And to me, I'm like, oh, you were willing to stab something within mm-hmm. reach of me. It's threatening. And, I mean, and and yes. also, what's the intention behind this? Are you trying to get back at me? Are you trying to prevent anyone here from being able to leave because you're going to come back and do something to us? The intent is very scary. And it's like, we can't escape. But also, back to the SRO, this just happened at their house, that they were asleep, then their dad's car is damaged. They know this person has the capacity to try to attack, harm the family. And also, your dad's the only person that's going to protect you. Mm-hmm. To, to lie to them in that way is so much more traumatic. Oh, so gosh. I'm harping on all that. That SRO sucks. So there's that. Yeah, the company sucks should, for not firing him. They should Fuck be this guy, 63 ways to Sunday, mm-hmm. being 30 years old and... And trying to lure teens to his home mm-hmm. with photos of fake Doctor Who collections. How dare you? How dare you use Doctor Who <laughs> in your web of lies? And to think that this, uh, that Jess is so naive and ignorant that, oh, here's just a Google image of a bunch of Doctor Who paraphernalia. Oh, this could be yours if you just come they over. Won't, they won't figure it out. It's like, bitch, I know what the internet is. I could reverse image right? search that. A 16-year-old versus mid-30s, that 16-year-old has you beat a thousand times over on the internet. Give me a break. But also, what was his plan? If Jess says, okay, yeah, I'll come over. Clearly none of it's there. Then what? And that's the scary part. Yeah. I mean, it's all scary, but that's the part where your stomach drops and you think, how close was I to not being able to tell this story or or the story is way different? Yeah. Well, shout out to your dad for listening Mm -hmm. to you and, uh, you know, believing you and uh, you know, that's so scary. And I would think about this person too. You know, oh, 10 yeah. years later, I would still be thinking about that. It's just gut, it's just hitching the gut like, oh, they were right outside my window. Mm-hmm. I'd probably have a Google uh, search set up on their name, but who knows if that they go by their real name. But I would definitely right. put a Google alert on that kind of stuff. Well, Creepy. thank you, Jess, for sharing that story. Like we said, a lot of people can relate to these. And unfortunately, I know that a lot of people can relate to that one. Well, this next one's from Nikki. And this one is called Lady in White Pajamas. Hi, y'all. I'm Nikki. I'm obsessed with you two. And I tell everyone I meet about the White Rock Lake parakeets ever since Heather posted her attack on Instagram. This is Christy talking. I don't want to say it was an attack as much as a friendly uh, lighting on your shoulder to guide you on your walk. And that's just me being a parakeet apologist. <laughs> well, we just we had to come to terms. It was dive bombing <laughs> me. But then I realized it was dive bombing me because it loved me. It, and it, wanted, it just wanted a ride. You're and Disney I was like, princess. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, back to Nikki. Y'all ready to get freaky? So I grew up on an Air Force base on mainland Japan. It was a normal thing when you would hear or feel a boom across the base because they were detonating a dead bomb from World War II. So, basically, the place has some history. It's 2005, I'm like 11 or 12, and we moved into a different house. But it was the same type of ugly, concrete, beige-painted, two-story, four-unit duplex that most enlisted families lived in. I had one of those beds that's like a bunk bed, but it's a desk on the bottom. Every night... As I lie in bed trying to sleep, I imagined, pretty much felt, a woman with long black hair who would lean over me just breathing, watching. The first few times I thought maybe it's my mom, but how is she floating? I'd open my eyes and no one was there. 
every single time I went to bed, I had the same feeling, the same image in my head. And every single time I went up or down the stairs, I knew someone was watching me. So I turn around and nothing. Sometimes it even felt like someone was walking right behind you, ready to catch you if you fell backwards. In the upstairs bathroom, I would feel like someone was watching me from behind where the staircase was, just watching me through the mirror. But only my own reflection was seen. I kept all of this to myself until 16. Fast forward, it's 2010. My parents divorced and my mom and I were living in an apartment off base now. One night I told her I thought that that one house was haunted. Her response? Oh yeah, two of my friends saw a lady in white pajamas on the staircase and your sister saw someone in white pajamas with long black hair walk into the kitchen at night. I couldn't believe my mother was nonchalantly telling me, oh yeah, that house was totes haunted and the ghost looked just like the image you haven't even described to me yet. My mom isn't one to make jokes like this, and I hadn't even given her a description of the lady with long black hair. I told her my experiences, and she believed me. Another fast forward to 2019. Me, my best friends, my sister, and my husband are having lunch and telling ghost stories, and my sister yells across the table, Nikki, remember that house we lived in? I just froze, or I got up and yelled. I don't remember, but regardless, I knew what she meant. I've never spoken to my sister about this. She's five years older than me, and we moved out of that house after she had left for the States to go to college. In that moment, I remembered what my mom had said. Your sister saw a lady in white pajamas with long black hair. She goes on to tell me her side of the story. And me, being a professional interrupter, I would say, the upstairs bathroom? And she would say, oh, the mirror, like someone was watching you. And then I'd scream, I would bear crawl, run up the stairs because... And then she'd interrupt with, because she was always watching. We just kept completing each other's side of the story. Meanwhile, my friends who have heard my story several times just stared in disbelief. I won't deny that I'm a skeptic, but I know this happened, and I told this story as truthfully as my memory and the word count allowed. In hindsight, I don't remember ever feeling maliciousness, just a sense of being watched, and that itself scared me. However, the Netflix version of The Haunting of Hill House with the bent neck lady? Yeah, that gave me nightmares about this experience. All in all, I feel like the lady in white pajamas with long black hair was a mom, maybe who lost a child and or her own life too early, and was checking on us to make sure we, the children, were alive and breathing while we slept. Well, that's it, and I hope y'all enjoyed my story and thank y'all so much for reading it. Thank you for the work y'all do. It truly keeps my reality more laughable when I get to listen to your voices in my ears. Thank you and love you and bye, Nikki. P.S. Would love to hear Christy's grandma voice used from Freaky Friday episode 32 more often. I love that voice. Is it this voice where I'm a grandma? Thank you so much, Nikki, for sending in your submission. (laughs) That's my old Southern grandma voice. (laughs) That's a meemaw voice, a Mm -hmm. mammal voice. Um, I like this theory that it's maybe a mom mm-hmm. spirit that's just watching over them. But that is a powerful feeling when you had something happen to you, especially supernatural, and you put it out there. And it's bo- it's a double-edged sword, right? If someone's like, I saw the same thing. Because mm-hmm. it's one thing to go, I didn't see that. And you're like, okay, maybe it was. I dreamt it. But if someone's like, nope, it was the same. Yep, same spot. I saw mm-hmm. the same thing. You're like, oh, cool. So what I saw was real. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so many times we hear about this with siblings, mm-hmm. and then they don't ever know that they were experiencing the same thing until years later when they're adults and out of the house. Y'all check in with your sibs. If y'all are seeing some ghosts and shit, just check in and be like, hey, have you ever seen a lady like with long black hair? And now you got an ally and you can team up and you can figure it out together. It's, it is. It does. Like I said, it's double edged sword. When I told my dad, sometimes I think I see someone in the hallway. He was like, yeah, like around three o'clock in the morning, they run down the hallway. And I was like, yep, that's it. He's like, yeah, when it's happening, I just stare at the TV and pretend it's not there. Right? I was like, great. <laughs> Coping mechanism on point. Just. I see nothing. Watching MASH, just let her play. Barney Mm. Miller, take me away. (laughs) Well, this next one is from Ava. Maybe the best subject line we've had so far. The time I was hexed at a cupcake shop. Hey, y'all. First and foremost, I love your work, and the show gets me through many long shifts and my commute to college and work. I tend to be long-winded, so I'm just going to jump into it. To give some context, I work at a local bakery in Keller, Texas, and I work as both the cashier, decorator, and baker all at the same time, as well as working alone most shifts. It's also important to note that I had only listened to the first part of Freaky Friday on my drive to work that morning. So this past Friday, I was finishing ringing up an older woman towards the end of my shift when a man abruptly walked into the store, and immediately, I knew something was off. He came in talking to himself. He was short in stature and was wearing a mask and a hat pulled down covering his eyes. He immediately began engaging with the woman I was checking out, and she was visibly uncomfortable. She quickly left, and he then started saying random cryptic things to me, and in the process, requested a strawberry cupcake. I began to put the cupcake in the box, and he then proceeds to get on his tiptoes and reach over the glass that separated the cakes from the customers, and says, no, I want this one. Now, this particularly peeves me off, so I politely but sternly say, Okay, but please don't reach over the glass. He then just blankly stares at me, and I begin checking him out. He asks me if I own the store, and I quickly respond no and continue messing with the cashier system as he continues mumbling things I can't quite understand. He then goes quiet for a moment and looks up at me and says, You think you can tell me what to do? You can't tell me what to do in an ominous but aggressive cadence. I ignore him, already feeling unsettled, and he then says, Do you know Renee? To which I respond, No, in a confused tone. He then says, Well, you're going where she went. My eyes just about bugged out of my head. What does that mean? Now contemplating if I was just threatened or not, he's trying to pay, and his card keeps showing up as invalid. He's now asking about what time the store closes, to which I don't even respond, because why the hell would I tell him that? His card finally goes through, and as he's leaving, he shouts something about someone ending up in county jail. I quickly take note of what car he gets into and look up his name in our cashier system to then Google him to see if he has any criminal records. I am now visibly startled, and the girl who is closing comes in for her evening shift. I fill her in and leave her with my pepper spray, because God forbid he comes back to harass a 17-year-old girl if I can help it and I finish up a few tasks before driving home. On my drive home, I immediately knew something was up, and I called my dad to get an egg ready because I just knew that this man had done something to me. My face was hot and felt swollen, my head was throbbing, my ears were burning, and I began to get a stabbing feeling in my right eye. 
I get home and strip down to a tank top and running shorts as my mom completes the egg cleansing ritual on me, known to be done in Latino culture, when we feel bad omens have been wished upon us, also known as mal de ojo. She rubs the egg in a cross pattern all over my body, repeating the Lord's Prayer until finally finishing the ritual at the top of my head. Y'all, I'm not even kidding. That egg was heavy as shit when my mom cracked it into the cup. And what do you know? It was cooked. It's now Saturday and I'm still freaked out. And the more I think about it, I don't even remember seeing his face, which is extra creepy. Anyways, this morning I was getting ready for my AMP class, hashtag TCC proud, and finishing up the Freaky Friday episode and giggled at the woman whose life imitates these episodes because that also happens to me sometimes. And then you read the Ojo story. WTF. Anyways, to sum it all up, I now have a rosary in my pocket and it will likely be there for the foreseeable future. Thanks if you read this and keep it creepy. P.S. I'll also attach a pic of the egg. Ava attached the pic and it is not raw in that cup. Damn. That ceremony. I, I've known extended family members on my and relate not not blood related side, but folks that have done this ceremony. I mean, truly believe in it. It's mm -hmm. an important part. And if you run into a person like that, where you like you said, you don't know what they're mumbling. Like, is it a curse? Mm -hmm. Is it a a spell? Is it a ritual you're doing? You just don't know. It's like better. To, and then that feeling comes over you. It's better to be safe than sorry. Maybe I was hexed last week. Because I had all those symptoms. My head was throbbing and there was a stabbing pain in my right eye. I was sweating. Damn. I think it was the flu. But I could have been hexed. I don't know. I don't know. Some people also believe that the that you can utilize eggs in a different way to, to break a fever. So oh. that there you go. That might have been something helpful mm -hmm. as well. But yeah, definitely that's funny that it's the same. You know, you hear that story about life imitates Freaky mm -hmm. Friday. You're like, oh, that's fun. And then later on, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. My yeah. life imitates Freaky Friday. And someone had sent in a story about their experience with the same ritual. So That's share sad. those stories. You're not alone. You're not alone. And keep this man out of this cupcake shop. Dude. Much like the gentleman trying to use Doctor Who to lure women. Mm -mm. Don't cause a ruckus in a cupcake Don't bring shop. Cupcakes That's a place into of your joy. Bullshit. Uh -uh. No. That's a no. safe place. It should be. If I am going into a cupcake shop, I am probably happy. Looking forward to my cupcake. I will Celebration. say. Celebration. Good choice on the strawberry, but your attitude with everything else sucks shit. So don't be bringing that into a cupcake shop. Nah, leave it at the door. Mm -hmm. Check it at the door. Well, this next one is from Emily, and the subject line is preschool ghosts. Hello, ladies. I'm going to get right into it. I am a speech language pathologist who works with preschool age children. I go in and out of preschools and daycares and work with children who have speech delays and disorders. I work with all kinds of children, some who say their sounds a little funky to completely nonverbal children. I love what I do. This story is about one of my kids. I'm not going to give any identifying details, just that this is a preschool-aged boy whose speech is extremely difficult to understand. I'm used to hearing speech errors, but this kid is really tough to understand. I can usually pick out a word or two and try to guess the rest. He's also very, very quiet. He keeps to himself at school most of the time. Last spring, I was at this student's preschool, which happens to be in a church with a big cemetery out back. The cemetery is huge, and a lot of the headstones are those really, really old ones you can just tell have been there forever. I attached a picture. Anyway, 
we were outside and the kids were practicing for graduation. Afterward, we were standing around and that child walks up to me, points at the cemetery and says, the boy, clear as a bell. I looked over, saw nothing and said, where's the boy? Do you see a boy? He nodded his head and continued pointing. I told one of the preschool teachers who asked him, what is the boy wearing? And he responded, white. We looked at each other like, holy shit. Then we told the other teachers and one of them told us that there was an old headstone in the direction he was pointing, a headstone of a whole family that died and that they had a young boy that had also passed away. I truly have goosebumps whenever I think about it, and now I can't help but wonder what was going through my little friend's head when he's quietly observing his classmates. Anyway, I love the show and hope to see you guys when you come back to the East Coast. Thanks for everything you do. The picture is exactly how described, how Emily describes it. It's gorgeous, lush green grass, huge, beautiful uh, headstones, but when that's behind where you're practicing for your preschool graduation and it suddenly becomes less um serene when a child is like <laughs> the boy that and a child that does not speak usually yeah well especially if there's you know you're i would think a teacher instincts like oh god is one of the students mm-hmm. run off and then when you're like well i don't see anything and they're like i do that's when you're like oh, <laughs> he's <fuck."> wearing white <laughs> yeah it's especially eerie and interesting that he was very nonverbal, but at this point or at this time in this instance could speak very clearly and and communicate exactly what he was seeing yeah well you never know i I always wonder if sometimes when people are more you know quieter they might be a little bit more intuitive because Mm -hmm. you're just more in tune with where the rest of us mm, present company i'm talking about myself (laughs) you talk a lot you know and by when you're talking you're not listening and so maybe he just listens a lot better than than the rest of them out there and saw something that Mm -hmm. nobody else did Mm -hmm. well thank you very much emily and thank you for the work you do with kids that's super important Mm -hmm. the next one is from alan and the subject line is Another lucid dreamer had to share after Freaky Friday number 30. Hi, friends. Love, love, love your show. Grateful for you getting me through the daily slog. I just heard Freaky Friday episode 30, where you read the story of Jamie, who lucid dreams. Hearing it was a sign. I started to fill out the form with my story a few days ago, but stopped. Now I know I have to share. Lucid dreaming is organic for me, and I love being able to control my words and actions. Unfortunately, I've had several dreams in which I felt a malevolent presence. I knew I wasn't alone in my consciousness in the dream. It occurred in dreams of loved ones I've lost when it happened. This entity trying to get to me through them was violating and painful. Three specific incidents hit me the hardest. In the first, I was carried by my mom through the front door where we lived with my uncle and ailing aunt. Facing the front door was a hospital bed that my aunt was lying in. As we walked in, I could see her suffering and struggling, eyes closed. After a few moments, her eyes opened. She sat up in the bed. Her eyes went wide as she looked and pointed directly at me, and an ungodly sound escaped her wide-open mouth. Her face contorted into something you would see in a horror film. I knew it was a dream in my subconscious mind and woke myself up quickly. Crazy twist. When I told my mom about it, she said it actually happened— minus the sitting up terrifying the shit out of me part. 
Apparently, we got home as my aunt was dying and the paramedics were arriving. My mom rushed me back out the door, but obviously not in enough time. In another dream, I was in a quiet, deserted hospital. I was approaching double doors, the kind you push through like in old hospitals. As I pushed through the doors, I knew that I was looking at the sheet-covered body of my grandmother. One of her toes was hanging out with a tag on it. When I got closer to the gurney, she slowly sat up. She pointed her finger at me and made a noise similar to the one my aunt made in the first dream. Her mouth also hung open and her face contorted in the same way. I again forced myself awake. In the last dream, I was in a room at my grandmother's. I heard music playing, and my late second cousin came by, singing loudly and dancing. Very on point for her, a fun, wild lady in life and in death. In the dream, she said, come on, let's go, and ran off. At that point, with no warning, my grandmother came very quickly into my room, rushing at me as I lay in my bed, right up into my face with a raspy growl. Her face then started to change, and before I could see the full transition, I said, fuck this, not again, bitch, and forced myself awake. Pretty terrible, right? But lucid dreaming has also offered me some wonderful experiences, so I'll end with one. As I mentioned previously, I grew up with my great uncle. My mom and I lived with them until my dad, not my biological father, entered our lives. Then, when we moved in with my dad, my uncle moved with us. It was probably tough for my dad at the time, but my uncle was my world. Sadly, I had no chance to say goodbye when my uncle passed. I had years of guilt about it and pleaded with him, God, and angels for a second chance. Many years after his death, I finally had a conversation with him in a dream. It was brief, and I won't go into detail about it, but I finally got to say goodbye. I woke up sobbing, but this time it was with a smile. I saw my uncle again, but it wasn't in a dream. I've always known that I was sensitive, but it scared me and I ignored it. However, in 2020, I sacked up and took a mediumship course that was so enlightening. I learned to ground myself and control what I let in, only the light. My uncle was the one who ushered in that light during a meditation where I first connected with my spirit guides. He was the one who introduced me to my main guide. I felt so much peace. I know he's left me in good hands, and between him and my guides and angels, I know I can combat anything that tries that shit again. Not an invitation. Those dreams are so scary, and those just shake you for days. It's to see a loved one in distress in a dream is already scary, but then when they turn into a demon and try to attack you, that's, no, you can't, it's, Am I the only one that when you have a dream about someone, you look at them differently for like the next few days? Have you ever had like a sex dream about somebody and then oh, you're yeah. just like, oh, we can't see each other for a week because <laughs> I don't know how to feel about <laughs> Where you're like, I don't even know you well or I don't even like you. I just like work with you or go to mm-hmm. school with you or whatever, you know, and somebody down the street and you're just like, why that person? Yeah. What's going of all on? People? Yeah. Like, or you have a dream. About somebody from your past, even Mm -hmm. like high school or something, or like kind of a dream about a a high school memory or a college memory, and then you just feel weird for like a few days about the whole thing. Right. It like makes you, it brings you back and you're like, I don't want to try to go back there. Yeah. And that's kind of like with this, it just fucks up your days because you're already sad that your loved ones have died and now you got to worry about going to sleep and having this happen. So I'm very glad that a good thing happened with your uncle where 
you were able to get closure in a visitation dream. Yeah, and I'm glad you you harnessed your energy because if you know if there is a malevolent spirit, it knows that you have some sort of mediumship, you know, medium abilities that you're you're not tapped into yet, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, spirits visit her. Well, I could too, and when I do so, I'm going to use the spirits that she loves in her subconscious. Tap into that because you hear that a lot of you know reading uh, stories where people say that they, there's demons in their house or they have malevolent spirits or stuff starts hurting them. Usually, it starts out of like. I'm your grandma or like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just your, and then it, so then you trust it, you invite it in and then this happens, but good on you having that lucid dreaming. You got an eagle eye, even when you're asleep and be like, bitch, I'm waking up. Yeah. Now. No, that's how I am too. I'll be like, uh, this ain't real. I'm, I'm getting out of this or yep. I'll use it to my advantage. I'm usually in a dream. I'm like, I know that I'm dreaming. Therefore I know I can jump off this building and fly right now because uh, <laughs> it's all up to me, baby. Yep, mm-hmm. it's all in the mind, and your mind is a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Alan, for sending that in. And this last one is from Kate. And this I meant to put, I thought I had a contact warning, or a content warning, there's sexual assault. I meant, to, I thought I wrote that. I would oh, just give a content warning about sexual assault. Well, thanks for sending that one in. This next one is from Kate. The subject line is my survivor story and content warning. There's discussion of sexual assault. Hello, ladies. First, let me apologize for the typos and poor grammar. I'm not a writer and I might be a little drunk writing this. I also have a brain tumor, but now it just sounds like I'm making excuses. So back many, many years ago, my then fiance and I had a friend over for dinner to celebrate our engagement. I was off all day alone and was cleaning and cooking in our apartment. We lived in a very big old building where you have to use your keys to open and unlock the door from the inside. I went out to the dumpster a couple times and propped both the downstairs door and our back door to our apartment open so I didn't need to carry keys and garbage. I cleaned, cooked, jumped in the shower, and my fiance came home and had picked up our friend. We all had a lovely dinner, and afterwards, my fiance left to drive our friend home. I began cleaning up the kitchen and then decided just to leave it until morning. I went into the bedroom and started to take my clothes off. Our kittens came running into the bedroom all puffed out and their claws made a very loud scratching noise on the ground. Before I could even say out loud, what the fuck is wrong with you two? I heard the wood floors creaking and heard heavy footsteps getting closer and closer. This was the early 2000s, so cell phones were fairly new. I grabbed my cell phone and ran into the closet. As I was running in there, my fiancé called me. The only thing I got out was, someone is in the apartment, call the cops. Then the call failed. I kept trying to call the police. It felt like forever, but it was maybe 10 minutes. I heard the guy running back and forth through our apartment, and then a huge boom. The police broke the door open, and a female officer opened the closet door and told me it was okay and I was safe. The intruder apparently jumped off the balcony. We lived on a high first-floor apartment. I don't remember a lot of what happened after that. I know we went to my parents' house for a few days. I know the police found the dirtbag semen in my closet, I assume because he was watching me clean and shower. A month or so later, a man was arrested for breaking into an apartment a few streets down, hiding in the laundry room, jerking off, and watching the woman. When one woman saw him, he attacked her and tried raping her. Another man in the building heard her screaming and beat the shit out of the guy. We moved shortly after our wedding, but my therapist had us take all the closet doors off the hinges to help me feel safer. That concludes my survivor story, or my almost true crime story. Love you, ladies, and appreciate you, Kate. 
this is my worst nightmare. I mean, one of several. But finding out someone's been in your home while you're there watching you and then not just watching you masturbating in your closet. Oh, my God. Kate, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, such a violation. And and you I mean, it just sends your brain into overdrive. How did he get in there? How long was he there? Had he been in there during the whole dinner party? Like how long was he just waiting? Oh yeah. Did he listen to the conversation yeah, at knows? dinner and just like get off doing that? Mm. And, oh yeah. That is so scary. And especially now him walking around knowing that your fiance and friend are now mm-hmm. gone. And later on, when we see what he attempted to do with the neighbor, that, that I mean, that's so scary if that was what he was willing to do. And just mm-hmm. it's happenstance that you had your phone, happenstance that your um, fiance called. But uh, that is, uh, like you said, it's the worst nightmare. And you are a survivor. Uh-huh. My my respect to you because it is. And, and you mentioned a therapist because, you know, I also I am also a survivor and therapy is like number one way to deal with for me, at least it's been extremely helpful and recognizing something that other people take for granted of oh, close my closet. That is upsetting to you. Mm-hmm. And that and if that's going to help and to help you feel safer, then that's a way to do it. Yeah, you did exactly what I would have done. Grab my cell phone, run into a closet and hide. I think like lock yourself whenever I like mentally walk through a scenario like that that's what i think of about doing but i'm very glad that he decided to get the fuck out of there and the cops were able to open the door and let you know you're safe but that doesn't mean that you feel safe no not at all well thank you for sharing that with us kate Mm -hmm. and for writing to us yeah you said i'm not a writer but you told that that story just as perfectly as you could Mm -hmm. have Yeah, and like we've said this whole time, sharing stories is very powerful, and there's a lot of people that are in this same situation have had experiences like this, so thank you for sharing that, and that might help other people feel more confident in sharing their own story or knowing at the very least that they're not alone. For sure. Well, thank you, Kate. And thank you to everyone else that sent in your stories. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at SinisterHood.com slash Freaky Friday. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those unrolling the airwaves and getting into a tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and so much more. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. We had our one this month last night. It was a ton of fun. And we have the live stream tonight, but y'all hear this after. But I'm going to go ahead and say we had a lot of fun on that one, too. And you can go watch both of the replays on demand anytime you want Mm -hmm. right now. There you go. 
For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option of paying pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available, and those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. Ho, 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 it's Christmas time, and I'm Christmas Krampus here to say no better gift for a Sinisterhood listener than some Sinisterhood merch. Why not get them a subscription to Patreon, which is virtual, and then put a little paper inside of a fun beanie or a hoodie or maybe even a Christmas mug or Sinisterhood mug? If not, I'll put you in a burlap sack and beat you with reeds. For all of this, go to SinisterHood.com and click shop in the top banner. Man, I didn't know Christmas Krampus was here today. Thank you for guesting on this episode. It's so nice to talk with you always. I hope we get to hear from you more over the next few weeks during the holidays. I'm not going anywhere. I'm always with you. (laughs) The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting SinisterHood.com slash playlist. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SinisterHoodPod, like us on Facebook at SinisterHood, and follow us on TikTok and YouTube at Sinisterhood Podcast. Christy, where are you? I'm on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and TikTok and Twitter at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm tweeting hateful things at Ticketmaster on Twitter. I'm you just and mad about everybody else. We are all mad about Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world, and I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sin.